the digital transformation of home life. Have we been here before? I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Alexandra Desham Sassino, Director of Design Swarm, IoT consultant, founder, author, and speaker. Welcome, Alex. Thank you for having me. So tell us about Design Swarm and the Good Night Lamp and how all that came about. So I've been an independent consultant uh, based in the UK now since 2007. The Good Night Lamp was actually a master's degree project that um, I guess I took too far. Uh, instead of just sort of keeping it there in academia, I thought, well, this is actually kind of a cool idea. And the Goodnight Lamp is a family of lamps. You have a big lamp and little lamps. You give the little lamps away to anybody around the world. And when you turn the big lamp on, the little ones turn on. So it's a really simple and ambient way of connecting to your family that might be living abroad. If you have a grandmother living on her own, even if she just uses it to read before going to bed, you're sort of aware of her habits and her routines. So a very, very simple way of connecting. And it uses uh, GSM, not the easiest stack to develop on, but it means that you don't need Wi-Fi in the home. You don't need to worry about be becoming your grandmother's IT support. Um, and it also reaches a broader number of people in a broader number of places. You authored the book, Smart Homes, How Technology Will Change Your Home Life, what motivated you to, to write the book? I was very interested because I'm a little bit of a research and design research geek in a sense, um, having come from a design background and design education. So I was very interested in a book that would talk about the technologies that I was working with and had built a career with, with a, my background in design. Um, and I wanted that mix when we talk about the home because it's very easy to find books about interior design. It's very easy to find books about architecture. Um, and then it's very easy to talk about network computing and um, what it does to the home space. But the entire conversation, all those things together, I didn't find. And I thought, well, I will write the book that I would like to read. Um, and so that came out last year. And it covers a lot of different topics in, in not a huge amount of depth because I did want my mother to be able to understand it. Um, but it is a book about the relationship between invention and tinkering and technology and engineering and how it becomes part of our lives and part of what we call innovation or part of what we eventually call daily living. Um, and so I go all the way back to electricity and I talk, of course, about what we have now, which are um, more embedded, more invisible um, voice assistants and uh, all these kinds of new technologies. But what I try to make, um, the point I try to make in the book is that this is a repeating set of interactions that we have uh, with new technologies. We have constantly been trying to make inventions become part of our daily life. And some of that has been more successful than uh, others. And there's a long history there that we need to look at in order to develop today, I think. Why do you say that the home is not a system? I, it's a super um, easy way to debunk a lot of how we think about home living. We sort of think about home living in the technology sector as uh, something understandable, something mathematically comprehensible. You know, something happens here, therefore it must happen there. We apply an if this, then that, um, I think, 
terminology and methodology to how we think about how people live. So we will tend to do things like, well, we'll put sensors everywhere in an older person's home and that will make us um, know when that person has fallen or if that person needs help. Um, and every um, project that we see and every bit of research that we see shows us that that is not how people live. That's also not where people fall. People fall outside of their homes, um, not inside of their homes to pick on that particular example. And so I try to break down this idea that um, technologists have and engineers have of the home as being a mathematically understandable space. Um, it's not a common it's not necessarily a modern uh, concept. Uh, it's actually quite an old concept of trying to make the home mathematically understandable, but it never works. And uh, every way in which you and I would live differently, we might be of the same age, we might be um, of the same ethnicity, uh, we might be of the same socioeconomic environment. If we are giving the same apartment, you and I will live completely differently and will exist in our homes completely differently. So you can't then um, think that you can apply one thing or one set of things and get the same result or get um, measurable results every single time. How are ideas about the role of women in society and home technology related? I think that we design still with a very particular image in our minds of what happens in the home. Um, I did a lot of research around early computers and very, very early computers, sort of um, 1957 age computers, uh, who were designed for women with this sort of funny understanding of what people did um, and mostly women did at home. Oh, you know, we want computers in the home because obviously somehow we want to make uh, list building and shopping easier, or we want um, somehow tomorrow's timings and the weather to be a priority. And it's very sweet and it's a very, you know, yeah, measurable and printable piece of data that you can get out of a, a keyboard at the time and a, a computing unit, but it isn't actually what most people do and the help that most people need. Um, and so I think that we've mostly been designing with an image of a particular type of woman with a particular type of family structure um, and one that is not very dynamic. Um, nobody in any corporate video is ever divorced. Uh, nobody in any corporate video is um, ever living perhaps with an elderly parent that they've decided to take back into their house. Uh, no one is living with a shut-in teenager or a depressed teenager. And so all of the real problems that we have in home living and modern life are really not really addressed by new technologies. Define the phrase living as a service and how the economy and technology are moving us to a, a home lifestyle like that we had maybe of a century ago. I got very, very interested in the book uh, about the early kind of late Victorian era and early 1920s uh, images of what people might want as services for the home. Um, so this was at a time when a lot of young, uh, mostly women, were moving to the city in order to find jobs, and they might be finding secretarial jobs. And I was very interested to see that they were sold 
mostly uh, small apartments, very, very um, limited resources, but they were sold all these services on top of it. So you could get your laundry delivered to your door, you could get uh, dinner cooked for you and delivered to your floor. Um, all of the things that we now, you know, have interpreted as Deliveroo and TaskRabbit and all of these modern day services that we think of as very modern were offered to people a hundred or so years ago. And I find that this idea that things are continuously serviced instead of um, purchased and invested in is interesting because it works for a particular time perhaps and with a person of a particular amount of income, but it doesn't work for everyone. And actually a lot of people will probably be okay cooking on a Sunday night, a huge meal for the rest of the week, uh, put things in Tupperware in the freezer and off you go. And I you know, think of the gig economy and I think of the sharing economy as something that is actually a repeating a set of patterns that we've tried. Um, and it didn't necessarily not work back then, uh, but it isn't the only way to sell living to people. When social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter first appeared, they experienced massive growth in popularity but decades or more later, data privacy and personal security issues have turned large segments of consumers against them. IoT devices and the smart home bring similar risks. So will smart homes go the route of social media platforms? And what will it take to prevent that kind of market retreat? Well, I think that you could argue that smart home solutions are not as popular as social media platforms. Um, the number of units that are sold worldwide of um, smart thermostats or voice assistants or connected um, lighting control it will come nowhere near the number of users that social media platforms have. And so I think it's perhaps unfair to equate the problems that we have when billions of people use one thing and the, the problems that we have when you know, tens of thousands or perhaps a few million people use something. That's not to say that there are um, no problems. And of course, um, current regulation, whether that's in the US or in the UK, is very interested in what privacy means when you have connected products around you. I'm especially interested in what it means to have always on connected products around you. Uh, Google's announcement, I think just today, that you don't even need to say, you know, hey Google, is extremely problematic because it assumes, and you know, we quite know that um, they are capable of doing evil. And so why should we necessarily have an object that sits there quietly listening um, and not question that. And I think that consumers are questioning it simply by not investing all that much. Um, these are not products that 90% of the population has. These are still early adopter products. They're still products which those companies are really trying to um, sort of, in a way, change in the field because they're in people's homes, then they'll change the firmware, they'll update uh, remotely over the air, and then it'll become a new interaction because there is no physical interaction with that product. And I, I like to pick on voice assistants, and I think maybe it's a little unfair, but a lot of other devices have failed because over the air updates were not kept up to date, or there were problems and hacking, and suddenly people don't have access to their heating, don't have access to their front door. And 
So it does become a problem, a really tangible problem for people. And hopefully it, these are teething issues and people start to build both good practices in, but also standards are adopted and uh, developing practices um, are sort of used by more and more startups. But I think it's a very, very difficult landscape. And it's a difficult landscape in a landscape that is about selling people plastic stuff with electronics in them. And that, um, as we know from uh, the global conversations these days, um, is going to be more and more difficult as time goes by. Couldn't agree more. Alexandra Desham Sassino, Director of Design Swarm, IoT Consultant, Founder, Author, and Speaker. If somebody wants to connect with you, maybe they want to find out more about your work or get a copy of your book, how can they do that? You can check out Twitter, IoT Watch, or my website at designswarm.com. Sounds good. And if you guys want to find more of my interviews, you can go to tanyahall.net. I've got links to all my social sites. Thanks for watching.